a podcast for artists to grow and learn the real truth of being a creative entrepreneur. The Vero Podcast, hosted by Kelly Berry. Hello. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing just fine. It is, um, I know it's early where you are, but it's still pretty relatively early, almost getting into the afternoon here. So um, just kind of easing into my day, which has been very nice. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Me yes. too. I've got my cup of coffee with me and ready. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. I mean, especially with this crazy wedding season, this fall season has been you know, great, but very, very busy as I know that you guys are slammed as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which Uh, this is the time of year. Yeah. And we can't complain about it because like we were just talking about, you know, it's, um, you know, winter is coming as my friends and I say, so (laughs) (laughs) yes, winter is coming. Winter Uh, is coming. So, and, and, We'll for sure be in hibernation mode and not too long. So we just got to hold on while it lasts. Right, right. And I think that it's sometimes uh, a friend of mine and I were just talking about this yesterday where the winter season is is a good thing, but it's also, you know, I also always get... a little antsy because I feel like my creative brain isn't working and I feel like I need to be exercising that muscle just a little bit, but it's also really nice just to relax, you know, (laughs) after, yeah, Yeah. after a uh, crazy season. Well, I thank you so much for coming on. Um, We did our Instagram live yesterday, which went so well, and I got a lot of great feedback. So um, you you are a third generation family member in PhotoVisions. So I want to hear all about that. And I want to hear how your family got started and all that good stuff. Yeah. So my family uh, in 1968, uh, my grandparents actually purchased a photo lab from a, uh, a local guy who was just ready to retire. And uh, they did that because They have four children, and they wanted to make sure that all four children had the ability to go to college if they wanted to. Wow. Uh, So they were looking for a business to buy. They didn't really know at the time anything about the photo industry. Uh, Actually, the, the other business that they were looking to buy was essentially like a quick mart like gas station store. Wow. So very different, uh, very different. Uh, but it shows just how little they actually knew. They didn't know anything at all about photo. That's crazy Uh, for them just to step into that. Yeah. But, uh, the kind of the trade off was they had this guy who wanted to sell his photo lab and camera store. And he had said that he would teach them everything that he had learned. And so that's what they ended up going with. And thank goodness for me, because I don't know if I could be a third generation (laughs) uh, quick mark owner. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure that would be quite compelling enough (laughs) for me. I mean, you know, this conversation would be a little different, but, you know, you never know. It would, it would <laughs> definitely be different. Uh, 
<laughs> but I'm I'm glad we're having the conversation we are. Yes. So, um, to kind of fast forward a little bit. Um, so in the 70s, uh, my dad started working at the camera store um, when he was 12 years old, actually. And Starting became young. fascinated. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, it was... Uh, so I had this same experience, but... Basically, it was after school, uh, I would just go to the lab. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's where both of my parents were. Yeah. And I would just hang out at the lab until they were ready to go home, and Mm -hmm. then I'd go home with them. And the same was true for him. And so he and his brother, Alan, who also works for us, would go to the lab, and they would just have to hang out at the lab until it was time to close up shop and go home. Mm -hmm. And in the process, uh, they both learned a lot about uh, film processing and printmaking. Mm -hmm. And uh, they kind of kept going with that. At first, it was just like after school. And then it turned into all summer long. And then after they graduated, it became a full time job. Mm -hmm. And Uh, specifically the printing side. And so uh, my dad actually took over the lab section of the business uh, in the 80s, I want to say it was, and started pushing that forward. Um, At one point, we had become a wholesale photo lab for basically all of the all of the grocery store camera film drop-offs. Wow. Um, and that was for the entire Northwest region. Jeez. So that was uh, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, uh, Western Montana, and um, Northern California as well. Oh, my well. God. That's, so it was a, that's a, a lot. huge region. And uh, so we were like this contractor for the company that uh, – collected up all of the film Mm -hmm. and so every day we would get literally like garbage bags full of film uh, specifically black and white film that all needed to be that day processed printed packaged and returned oh my gosh yeah and so that was kind of our start into this larger production style business. Uh, And that lasted up until the point that uh, black and white photography was not as popular as color photography. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically in the 90s, there was this trend to uh, one hour labs. And Mm. so this, this whole model of collect everything up from this huge area and send it to one place stopped working. Hmm. So now all of a sudden all your competition are these little tiny mini labs sprinkled all over. Like the, the CVSs or like, like CVSs, uh, photo marts, um, all of those places, mm-hmm. um, anywhere that, and it turned out that eventually it was like Walmart and Sam's club and Costco and, mm-hmm. Every major retailer of any other thing mm-hmm. also had a photo lab. 
And the reason was because it was a quick turnaround time. And for retailers, wholesale real retailers like Costco, it was a, you're going to drop your film off as you enter the store. It takes an hour. So now you have to kill an hour of time shopping in our store. Of course. Before you can get your prints back, you're inevitably going to buy something. Oh, yeah. And so this is what happened in the 90s. And it totally invalidated what we were doing as a wholesale lab. Wow. And so in the 90s, like that entire business model crumbled. We had to become a mini lab, just like all of the other mini labs. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that differentiated us locally is that we focused primarily on the discerning amateur photographer and professional photographers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one of our things was uh, we will always color correct images coming through the lab, period. Yeah. Um, At the time, it it was a non-negotiable. There were auto printers at the time that would kind of guess at white balance and density corrections which is what um, all the other major photo uh, retailers would do, uh, like Walmarts and Costco's and CVS. They would just basically run it through an auto printer. Um, And we stood firm on this idea that, no, we're going to try to make your images look as good and natural and lifelike as we possibly can. Wow. So basically, like, the other places would just be... However you shot it, you're getting what you got, whatever you shot. So they're not yeah. trying to do any sort of enhancements or anything. Or or if they were an upper end photo lab, they would do essentially what is, if we're talking about digital, it would be like going to full auto in Lightroom. Right. Auto white balance, auto density, or auto exposure. Right. Um And then just like running with it, Mm -hmm. whatever it does, like that's what you do and you send it out. Right. And so we were another step above that with, no, we are going to hand color correct every single frame. Wow. Uh, And so that was, so we were like the, when you really wanted your images to look as good as they possibly can, you sent your stuff to PhotoVision. Yeah. And so that was in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so you guys when, have had a pretty epic reputation for a long time. Well, we, we've we had this trend of doing this, but it's it's only been locally. It's only been within the Salem, Oregon mm-hmm. area. And in, in our heads, our reach was about a 30-mile radius. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, it was probably someone else's business to worry about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, that idea continued through the two thousands where digital cameras took over and um, film basically dropped off a sales cliff Mm -hmm. uh, and it was all of a sudden gone. And what Uh, year was that? So that was early two thousands, um, 2000, one is probably about the earliest professional grade digital SLR mm-hmm. uh, when the first ones came out and uh, they had a good enough quality 
to get professional photographers to abandon film. Wow. Um, but they did so on with this idea that by uh, grabbing a digital camera, they would kill their lab bill and be able to pay themselves more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, you don't have these extra expenses with a lab bill, but what many of those photographers uh, experienced in the process is that they didn't realize how much work the lab was doing for them. Oh, and yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> uh, they were being crushed by the fact that they weren't very good at color correcting. They weren't very good at using computers to do all this work. And so suddenly their hourly wage, if they were to calculate it, went from being very high to being less than minimum wage. Wow. And a, a lot of them, a, a lot of the initial early adopters of digital actually went out of business because they couldn't deal with it. They couldn't, they were lacking all the tools to be successful with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's funny because, it, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to add that at the time, uh, software like Lightroom and even Bridge were not a thing. Mm-hmm. You had, if you were on a Mac, you had the Finder and you had Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So if you needed to make a change, uh, you had to bring each and every image one at a time into Photoshop. Mm-hmm. That's and that's so. insane. And that's so funny because when I graduated college, I worked with a portrait photographer, a studio photographer, and um, I interned for him. And he would just complain all the time. I would edit all of his images for him. And because he would just complain the whole time because he would talk about that he just had never had time for it and that he hated it and da 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 da. And that because he was, he used to shoot film. I mean, he was an older man. So he was really heavy into film prior to this. So that's so funny to kind of put all of those things together and kind of, you know, really understand kind of why that was. So um, Mm -hmm. that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He went from having this beautiful workflow where he just dropped off film at a lab that he trusted and used all the time. Mm -hmm. And they did all the hard work Mm -hmm. for him. And he just got to be critical of the work and help nudge it in the right direction. And then his product was otherwise finished other than trying to get extra sales with enlargements. Wow. Wow. So the decline in early 2000s, how did you Uh guys kind of combat that and, and, and pull yourselves out of that? So just like when the black and white uh, wholesale business fell apart, we had to very rapidly reinvent ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in the 90s, uh, 90s to early 2000s, as the digital transition took over, we had to reinvent ourselves again. Um, That time, it wasn't as definitively separate from what we had previously been doing. Uh, Basically, what the industry as a whole tried to do, all of the other little independent photo labs tried to diversify their product offerings. Mm-hmm. So instead of just having prints uh, at 
at that time, there were people who were starting to get into their own digital publishing. So uh, they wanted to print their own cards that they had made on their computer. And so we had um, flat and folded card press printing. We had bookmaking. We had um, like fine art printing, like canvas printing, um, jacle uh, printing on cotton rag and like just this huge array of products and services that we could do. We also did things like video transfer and old photo restoration, Mm -hmm. you name it. If Mm -hmm. there was a photo that got anywhere near the product, we were doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was all in just this attempt to kind of like scrape together enough sales to make it work. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was all the way through 2008 and the recession. And um, during that time, we watched photo labs decline uh, from probably 2004, 2005. They declined at a rate of 50% of all independent photo labs went out of business every year. Wow. <laughs> And so in our industry group, all of these friends that we had made for years and years and years, half of them were suddenly gone every single year. And it, we basically, we became one of the last independent photo labs out there. Uh, Now in North America, there's fewer than 700 independent photo labs. Oh my gosh. I think it's, it's actually far less than that. And that's not at the pro lab level. That's just any photo lab period Mm -hmm. that isn't run by a major national corporation. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's absolutely insane. So now, so that's like a 2000, you said around 2004, 2005 Mm -hmm. is where we are in the timeline. And And then, and that, that takes us up to 2012. Okay. Uh, the end of 2012. And uh, in 2012, uh, that's when a, um, a very good friend of mine, uh, my, my best friend, longest running friend, uh, Eric McVeigh, got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time... Uh, no one in the photography world would have known his name. Mm-hmm. He was just a local photographer. I had actually taught him photography to get him into art school and college <laughs> back when we were roommates. And he had left college and really didn't have any strong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so his mom kind of pushed him in the direction of photography and said, Hey, I have an employee that's getting married. His family happens to also own a, uh, a local business that does print framing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like, I've got an employee and she's getting married and you're going to shoot her wedding. <laughs> he had oh. no idea. He had never had <laughs> a wedding before, but all of a sudden he was going to shoot a wedding. And so, Fast forward a few more years, he's getting married. And when he comes back from his honeymoon, uh, 
he says to us that he needs us to buy this scanner, this Fuji Frontier scanner, Mm -hmm. uh, because he's going to shoot film. And at the time, we were thinking, this is absolutely insane. No one, there are no professional photographers out there shooting film, uh, which was mostly true, not mm-hmm. true in Southern California, where Jose Villa was busy shooting film very successfully. Mm-hmm. But uh, Eric had just picked up Jose's book and uh, was really had connected with the like, I'm killing myself editing for hours on end every single day. Uh, and his wife was basically like, you can't do this. I'm not marrying you to never see you. Right. Uh, and so he had to have that whole like life priority shift. Mm-hmm. And his way of dealing with that was, I'm going to shoot film. I'm going to offload all of my work onto PhotoVision. My, my best friend. <laughs> yep. And so it's going to help me out. It's going to help them out. Yes. And, uh, and that's just what we're going to do. And he had like this complete resolve about it of just like, I'm shooting film. That's it. Period. And I'm moving forward. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And so he didn't do that without some education though. He went to a workshop and, then he took everything he learned and he said, basically, no more digital. I'm shooting film and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to figure it out even if it costs me money. Mm-hmm. So in the local area, he was already pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he had actually already booked out his entire year. Wow. Um, and at the time, yes. And at the time, he was shooting lots of senior portraits during the summertime Every single day, he had one senior session. Jeez. So, so he just decided, all right, these senior sessions are short, small. So I'm going to shoot film on them, and I'm going to learn how to do this. And if I blow it, no big deal, because it's senior trip. And you can do I it can again. Just, yeah, we can just reschedule if I totally mess it up. Um, but he held himself to this, I am going to shoot film, and I'm going to shoot film first. I'm not going to do like this Habsy thing and shoot film a little bit and like dip my toe into it, but then essentially keep shooting digital and keep doing everything that that's not working well for him. Right. And, you know, that's pretty... I'm so excited for people to hear this interview because I think that, I mean, regardless of, you know, the attendees that I talk to all the time, I think it's, it's kind of the same similar conversation where it's, well, it's just so expensive and, you know, I always have my digital and da, 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 da. So I think it's really amazing of him just to, and a lesson that everybody should totally respect and listen to that if you're going to commit to it, You've got to just go for it. I mean, I'm taking yeah. that to heart. So I think yeah. that it's something that you've got to, and I guess that can be said for a lot of different things in life, but um, that's pretty incredible that he just um, was smart enough to kind of think that process through and say, okay, well, I'm going to start on sessions that I know if I do make mistakes on, it's not going to be the end of the world. 
And it's okay that if it's going to, if it's going to cost me money, because in the long run, it's going to pay off for me. So I think that's really smart. And obviously exactly. it helped PhotoVisions um, a lot. It did. It did. So um, to pick up back on our timeline. So that's happening like the end of 2012. Okay. Um, actually on, on my birthday, 2012. So August 23rd, 2012, we received our first Fuji SP 3000. Wow. Um, and it, came in and it looked a lot like our other Fuji scanner, our SP2000, mm-hmm. except the images that it created were great. And we just, we thought, you know what? We like, we know this, this is like, this is feeling very similar to the nineties when we were running tons of film through in a one hour time frame, mm-hmm. one hour to a couple a day time frame. Mm-hmm. And we were doing this not just for consumers, but for professionals as well. Like, okay, we know this. This is so familiar mm-hmm. and so familiar to our black and white wholesale days. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was the point where we recognized that, you know what? This is like the one thing that we have been really truly good at. This is the one thing that we as a company have always excelled in. Like in the early 2000s, when we had to go through like this diversification Mm -hmm. of products, we weren't very good at any of them. There was no way we could be, but it was, but there was also no one else offering it. So it was okay that we weren't that good at it. Right. And you had to do what you had to do. And we had to do what we had to do, but it felt like the shoe was on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. And so the scanner shows up and it's like, it's clicking with us. Like, yes, like everything that we know is coming into play here and everything that we have always been known for being really good at. And all of a sudden it's the very thing that we're being valued for. And so it was like this, this affirmation that even though uh, we were literally at a point of um, trying to figure out how to either make this film thing work or shut the lab down entirely, Mm -hmm. like we have to do this, like this, there's, there's no like going back. There's, there's no going back to go to. So we just, uh, um, as we transitioned into 2013, we decided in, in the winter time, our slow time as well, that we were going to do everything we could to make film processing work. And we were going to do something that to us was so very scary. And that was, we were going to stop telling ourselves that our market was only a 30 mile radius from us. Mm-hmm. And we said at that point, our market is anywhere that has a post office that can send us film. Mm-hmm. So we took that and we took Instagram and we just started sharing pictures of people's work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of snowballed from there. And, uh, Six years later, here we are. 
Yeah. I mean, that is just an incredible story. I mean, it's, it's insane that, um, you know, looking at, you know, the early 2000s and, you know, trying to cut, you know, every business goes, I feel like every business goes through times like that, where it's, you're kind of just like, feel like you're a magician trying to pull things out of your hat and trying to stay afloat and doing all these things. And it's incredible that the, you know, it's like the stars aligned and it was fate that that's what was supposed to happen. And so that's just, that's incredible. Yeah, very much so. Uh, In the middle of it, that's how it felt. But Retrospectively, I would say that there's an important lesson to learn in there, that and a lesson that we learned uh, in particular, but I think this is applicable to everyone, and that is that you must simplify what you are doing, mm-hmm. and and you must do what you are truly good at. Mm-hmm. Don't try and do the things that you're not very good at mm-hmm. because people won't pay you for those. Right. But uh, whatever your skill set is, whatever things you tend to flow very easily with, mm-hmm. do those things and yeah. focus on doing them and doing them better than anyone else. Right. And and I think in today's world, it's um, you know, there's so much education out there that's telling you that, you know, you need to be doing more, you know, you need to be doing more, you need to be, um, you know, doing Instagram lives, you need to be doing podcasts, you need to be doing workshops, you need to be doing, you know, making this epic monstrous business. And I just, you know, I mean, we're on my podcast right now and I I don't think that doing certain things are right for certain people. And I've always felt that doing this was something that was right for me. And you know, but at the same time, I see so many people that are trying to do, you know, produce their own webinar, produce their own this, produce their own. And I'm like, sure, it's it's too much. And I think that I've taken a step back and I've just said, OK, I'm going to let those people who are good at what they do do that. And I'm going to do I'm going to simplify my life. And because life on a daily basis is stressful enough that when you comes to your job and your career, I think that people feel that they need to do all of these things in order to quote unquote, make it. And, uh, I just don't think that that's true. So I, I 110% agree with you. 110%. I, I, I totally agree as well. Uh, I, I believe that we've kind of actually been pushed astray in in our idea of what it means to be successful. Right. You kind of hit on that one. And I hear this so often within our industry that like people just want to be like destination wedding photographers. Mm-hmm. Like when when they start booking weddings in Europe, like they'll they'll know that they've like made it. Right. But that's not true. Being a destination wedding photographer can be great. And it sounds great on paper, mm-hmm. but it's hard. It's so it's, hard. It means leaving your family repeatedly. All the and, time. <laughs> and not at convenient times. It means going to great places and wishing that your family was with you, that other people that you care about could experience what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And 
that can kind of turn things into being a bit of a downer. Yeah. Instead of, I have this experience all the time uh, with traveling to workshops where I used to love traveling, but now going to the airport just means I'm going to work. Uh huh. It, and like, there's nothing special about it. It's just that my commute is longer than I would probably like it to be. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't get to see my family at the end of the day. Right. And like those aren't selling points. Right. Uh, On the flip side, I get to see places that I might not have otherwise gone to. Right. So there's a trade-off, but it's not necessarily, it doesn't mean you're necessarily more successful. Right. A hundred percent. I know photographers here in our tiny local Salem, Oregon market that are killing it, but no one outside of the Salem area has ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're any less successful. No. They're making great livings. And they, on on another hand, I feel like they kind of have a a step up because mm-hmm. they don't have to go get on a plane. Mm-hmm. They get to go home to their families every night. Right. And and on in that sense, their life is much simpler. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that's that's not something to just throw aside and say, well, but people around the world aren't hiring me to go shoot their weddings. It doesn't necessarily matter. No. Um, and I think we just get hung up on those details that it, when we see people through social media doing these things, it's easy to become envious of them and what they're doing, but we're not necessarily uh, recognizing the full reality of doing that. Right. Uh, and, and that reality can be a bit different and not necessarily in a very desirable way. A hundred percent. And I, and I, and I think that a lot of it, you know, a lot of attendees that come to Vero, it's so interesting because, um, you know, social media is a horrible beast and I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but, you know, I think it's <clears throat> one of those things that just like what you said, you know, so many people, uh, come and they're like, I just, I just want to get, pay-. you know, I just want to get paid and travel the world. And and even if even, you know, the, the kicker is when they do these weddings, but they do them for virtually no money. And, you know, they'll go get these destination weddings. They're like, well, I'll just do it for free or I'll just do it for whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you realize that, yes, I understand that if you've never gotten booked for a destination wedding, that you may do that once or twice and and that's fine. But to to devalue what you're doing so much so just because, I mean, that's going to get old really quickly. <laughs> so. Oh, it does. Yeah. So, and just like what you were saying um, about being away from your family and, and just, just the just the mental and physical toll that it takes on you to travel that much all the time. It's, I don't think that you could really tell anybody that unless you've experienced it. So it's, it's just, I, but it's just so funny that, that in this, in this, at least at this period of time, that's where photographers are finding, you know, where they've quote unquote made it or not. And uh-huh. so it's, I think that's just so sad, you know, and it's, it's just, it's and and, I think it's great that if you can get paid, I mean, if you can get paid the money that you want to get paid and travel, and if that's what you want to do, that's amazing. 
But I don't think that that makes you any less successful or more successful than anybody else. I, I totally agree. Uh, and it is actually, it's very painful to watch uh, being, being a lab and being that I spend a, a lot of my time on the phone talking with photographers, specifically those that are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's painful to hear like the anguish that they're going for through unnecessarily. Yeah the high amounts of self-doubt and and just a lack of belief mm-hmm. in in what they're doing that it's not good enough mm-hmm. uh, that it's still not successful because they aren't a big name known person mm-hmm. and or they're not traveling or they're not doing whatever fill in the blank mm-hmm. and i think a, as a industry, we have to kind of reset what we believe about the industry and where the value is mm-hmm. in what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we got to turn it from being about us individually as photographers mm-hmm. and as artists and turn it back to what are we giving our clients? Because mm-hmm. that's where the value is. A hundred percent. And that's where we will find value in who we are is if we look at what we are doing for people, Mm -hmm. not in what we are getting for ourselves. Right. And it's so interesting because, um, you know, I, I would, on our live yesterday, I was talking about how, uh, people that come to Vero, they're either, uh, you know, they're hundred percent into film or they're like teetering on that, um, you know, that line. And mm-hmm. it's so yeah. interesting to kind of talk to those people who are on that line and to hear, you know, either to hear why they're, why they're shooting film. And mm-hmm. it's, and I, I kind of had a bone to pick with film for a long time. And I've talked about it before because I think the wedding industry alone is kind of, uh, I don't know. It's kind of just given it this like, uh, high school, like cool kid vibe, you know, where it's like, you know, all of these major contenders in the industry, a lot of them shoot film. And I Uh think that is given, um, you know, people who are just starting or people who are, um, getting into the industry feeling like, okay, well I have to shoot film because I want to be successful. And I've hated it because so many attendees come to Vero and they're like, well, that's just what, that's just what I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to shoot film and, and that's how I'm going to get successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, honey, that's, no. that's, that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. Film is not going to on its own, make you successful. No, uh, especially not today. There was a time back when film was initially making its resurgence mm-hmm. and there were like only a handful of professional wedding photographers shooting film Mm -hmm. that yes, it would have made you successful, Mm -hmm. Uh, but not today. There are way too many film photographers out there today for film in and of itself to make you successful. Yeah. But film offers a workflow that forces you to take on habits, which tend to lead towards more successful photographers. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And that's the piece to keep in mind. It's the habits. Mm-hmm. And I know a, a number of hybrid photographers that are very good in part because they take the habits that they've learned from film and they apply it to their digital as well. Mm-hmm. And it helps their entire workflow. And to to come back to uh, my example with Eric real quick, the byproduct of him switching from uh, digital to film was that he went from working 14 hours a day, every day, seven days a week, all shooting season long mm-hmm. to he now works less than eight mm-hmm. hours a day mm-hmm. and he puts out a better product. Right. And he's able to do that because he leverages us as a lab right. to do the heavy lifting for him. Right. He just has to put himself in good, uh, successful shooting situations. He, right. He has to put himself into good lighting environments. Yeah. And And that's, and that's totally what I meant, what I was meaning when I said, you know, when I was talking to this one specific person and I said, you know, film isn't going to, the reason, the reason that you're you're shooting film is so you think that you're, is that because that's what you think you're supposed to do. And I believe that with any camera that you have, you're an artist and that's your, that's your extension of your creativity and you should be able to create, you know, art under any camera. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, but that's not what I was saying. I wasn't saying that. Um, I 110% agree with you that it's a completely different mindset. I think that, and and I think just the expense factor, like what we were discussing yesterday in our live is, and that's what I think, that's why I was asking that because I think people shy away from it sometimes because it is, they think it's expensive. And I think mm-hmm. that they underestimate the time, how much their time is worth and what they're getting back and how much exactly what you're saying about your workflow, how much that will affect your workflow and allow you to get your life back and allow you to step away from, you know, that side of the business and able to focus on other things that could get you that much further in your career. So 110%. I just think that it's, no matter what you're doing, that's, I mean, I think that a lot, I mean, there's so many wedding photographers out there these days in general. Like I think people, um, anybody could walk up and say, well, I'm just going to be a wedding photographer because they seem to make a lot of money. And, um, and, <laughs> and, you know, your just intentions of, and morals should be in line, um, no matter what you're doing. I mean, I guess that's just my opinion, but, you know, I just don't think that, you should do it because that's what everybody else is doing. No matter what it is in life, you know, I think that it should be something that you have a good intention of doing, whether it be your workflow. Me personally, I know that I love, I mean, I think I told you yesterday, I just bought my first contacts and uh-huh. um, I've always found every, every time that I've rented them, I've always found myself. I take it everywhere. I take it everywhere with me and I just document my life so much more. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that's something personally that I really love about it. But just even like during the wedding day, it just kind of, I don't know. I just, I, it, it slows everything down. And I know everybody talks about that and it just really puts you back in that moment. So I'm just so excited to just really 
enjoy it and learn and, um, you know, kind of what you were saying, enjoy that workflow where I can just send it to photo visions. I know that it's going to be taken care of. Absolutely. And I think that's a a great way to do it, uh, to be able to uh, take a camera with you everywhere, especially a film camera where there's scarcity in storage, where you can't go and just delete a bad image, Mm -hmm. for instance, uh, where you've only got 16 frames or you've only got 36 frames. Mm -hmm. And if you take a crappy shot, well, you're going to have to look at that crappy shot again. And it's, and you're going to have to pay for it too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That little piece adds this incentive to slow down a little bit more Mm -hmm. and, and to really pay attention to what you're doing and be as intentional as possible Uh with what you're doing and what you're capturing. And is this an image that I'm actually going to like? Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was talking about photography habits, really, truly, that is the one above all else that is more valuable than any other aspect of film Mm -hmm. is that it just makes you stop and just long enough to ask that question, should I really be taking this image? Mm -hmm. Is this really truly what I want or am I reacting to something else? Mm -hmm. And uh, that is, it is invaluable as a photographer to have that ability. And sometimes we just need to, have a dollar value attached to it Mm -hmm. to make it important enough to stop and think. Mm -hmm. That's 110% true. And I think it's just so interesting because a lot of um, digital labs that people send their stuff off to and, um, you know, it's still... I mean, it's still pretty expensive. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're sending a wedding to them and it's like, you know, $100. You know, it's it's still expensive. And I think that people just underestimate, you know, the time that, you know, it takes to sit down, edit a wedding, you know, spend all that time getting it to your clients. And then if you wear as you send it to PhotoVisions and you're shooting film, it's you have all that time to go and, uh, like I said, expand your business in different ways and do other things. And I think it's just really invaluable. Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel like we haven't gotten any of the questions, (laughs) any of the questions done, but that's okay because I, I've loved the way that this conversation has gone. It's been so organic. And, um, I think just the overall, um, education that you have and expertise is just absolutely incredible. And hearing all of these, incredible stories of the, of the past. And, and, and I mean, I could ask you a ton of more questions. Like how did your, how did your grandparents feel when you started, you know, when you got your first scanner, like how were they around and were they up for it or would it, I was just, I'm just yeah. curious how they were, yeah. if they were like excited about it. Sure. So real quick, uh, they're both still around. They really didn't know what to think. They kind of raised an eyebrow and were like, okay, sure. That's great. Oh, these um, kids. And, <laughs> and it was, I understand where that response comes from because they've sat here and watched us go through multiple reinventions as a lab. 
mm-hmm. where the market has shifted out from underneath us and we've had to adapt. Mm-hmm. And they're in the process of finding things that stuck enough for us to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. There have been countless more failures of things that we've tried and products we've tried to offer and services we've tried to offer that have been absolute flops. Mm -hmm. So I think from their perspective, uh, they were encouraged that we had the beginnings of a new direction, Mm -hmm. but they weren't going to run wholesale into it thinking that this is the next great thing. Right. There there was a bit more healthy skepticism there. Yeah. And I think that was a good thing. But now it's moved beyond what they ever could have imagined. Uh, they still come into the lab every week to say hi and see everyone. <laughs> That's and, so cool. And we tell them, they're always curious, where are we getting film from? And how far away have we gotten film from? And we get film regularly from... Indonesia, wow, and, uh, from all over Europe and Australia, and oh my God, um, Stephen, that's amazing. And yeah, it, it's bizarre to know that our, at least part of our story and what we're doing, is reaching people all over the world. the world. To go from having a, a, a worldview that we, our customers are all within 30 miles of us mm-hmm. to suddenly our customers are people all over the world mm-hmm. is such a mindset shift. But then to see it actually happen because we were intentional about saying, no, this is our reality. Mm-hmm. Now seeing work come in from everywhere around the world is just affirmation of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And so something something that you told me yesterday that I was really blown away by is the percentage of your business is uh-huh. the, is weddings. So you said it's about 96%, right? Yeah. That's yeah. insane. That's insane. Yeah. But also really cool at the same time. I mean, I guess I'm in this industry and I love this industry so much. And I think it just kind of goes to show your success that people like doing business. I mean, I don't know. I'm such a sap and I'm just such an emotional person that I just feel like, you know, people enjoy doing business with people that not only are experts, you guys are, I mean, let alone, I mean, you guys are extremely good at what you do. You guys have been in the business for many, many years. And, but the biggest part is, is that you guys, I mean, like I said yesterday, your customer service is impeccable and you guys genuinely care. You know, it's not like you're sending your stuff off to someone that's just going to send it back to you and be like, oh, here you go. See you later. You know, you guys are always open for feedback and any help that you guys can offer. And I think that, you know, especially coming from, you, you know, you being a third generation and, and having that family owned business feel for y'all being such a world renowned lab. I still feel like I could reach out to you at any minute and be like, Hey, Steven, you know, could you help me with this? And you, and you would, and Absolutely. I can't, and I can't even imagine how many people like me think that. So <laughs> I'm sure your it's... inbox is like slammed all the time. <laughs> so we, we do get plenty of emails. Yes. But but that doesn't change anything yeah. Uh, because we are 
we're here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, not just you, Kelly, but we're here for every photographer. Absolutely. Um, our, our internal goal is simply this. Do whatever we can to make photographers' lives better. That's, That's awesome. It. It's not to to be the world's best film lab or to make some certain sales goal. It is simply do what we can to make photographers' lives better. And so having a phone call with you to go over scans or deal with shooting techniques or whatever is going on in your business, that is something that we want to be a part of Mm -hmm. because it helps us achieve our goals. Yeah. Well, I mean, that just alone, just for everybody listening should go to show what an incredible business you guys have and what you've created. I mean, not everybody is like that. So I think that that's, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And I I do believe that businesses that come from strong morals and ethics are always the most successful because they think people connect with them. And, um, obviously it goes to show you guys have been, I mean, just rocking it. So I'm so happy for you guys. Oh, well, thank you, Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've probably, I mean, I think we've definitely talked for an hour now. So, (laughs) and we haven't really hit any of our questions. So, and I'm totally fine with that. And I just, um, tell people about where they can find you and how to follow you and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you can find us online at photovisionprints.com and on Instagram at photovisionprints. Other than that, if you have emails, if you have a question you would like to send to us, uh, info at photovisionprints.com is the email to send to. And we answer that five days a week. Yes. Um, as long as we're in the building, we'll try to get an answer back to you as quickly as we can. Yes. They are the absolute best. I've been using them for quite a while now. And, um, yeah, I'm so excited. Like I said yesterday to send you all the stuff from the workshop coming up next week and, uh, it's going to be really incredible. So we're excited. I can't wait to see what you produce. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Steven. This was such a great conversation. I know everybody's going to so much love hearing from you. So thank you. Thank you for your time. And yeah, we'll keep you posted and uh, we'll be sending scan shortly. Awesome. Thanks for the conversation. I hope you have a great day. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.